Ladies and gentlemen, this is entitled Weekend. And welcome to Entitled Weekend. This is the week of, of uh, well, Zappily, we're living Zappily ever after. Uh, well, at least according to some people, Zappy is the guy. He is the answer. He is the uh, next coming of Brady. In fact, he's even better than Brady. He's he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, but no, seriously, seriously, they're the, the Zappy uh, better than Mac thing has been ever since Sunday's game and uh, as you know Dan and Rob you guys know that um me and a couple of the other entire weekend guys were at the game ever since the game was over it seems like everybody has forgotten about Matt, Matt Jones has even existed and now Bailey Zappi is the guy that's going to be starting and Dan what do you think this is about why why is everybody just quick to dump Mac Jones and say, you know, even after one of the greatest rookie seasons in the history of the NFL that Mac Jones had a pro bowl appearance that everybody's just so quick to say, Hey, Bailey's happy after a game and a half, that's the guy. Yeah. I think with Massachusetts, especially, but I think in today's country, I think what people love to do is create controversy when there's nothing there. I think people like to uh, act as if something is so new to us that we've never experienced it before, but, or that we're repeating history because they want to say this is the second coming of Brady and kind of uh, correlate that to the Bledsoe injury, Mac injury. Then you get the right, like people just want something to talk about, something to complain about um, and, and get drama involved like we don't have enough already our media is probably the most dramatic media in the country um but i think it's just something to click it's clickbait it's it's oh is there a real rumbling right now is there uh some rift happening between mac and the coaching staff because i think the media laid into that storyline so much in the off season and then in, in training camp and um preseason where they kept saying, Mac, he's unhappy. He's disagreeing with uh, the play calling, the game planning. Um, he asked too many questions. Oh, no, he asked questions. <laughs> like, forbid you ask questions as a quarterback. He's trying to know what's going on and have a full grasp of everything. But if you ask questions, that means I fucking hate you, apparently. That's what our media wants to, to be read as. Um, but Bailey Zappi has done a good job. I mean... I look at it this way and someone said this the other day is like your job as a backup is to be the bookmark. You're supposed to keep the place of where you're at and sustain it. And then when the guy's ready to come back, whatever the case may be, injury, suspension, whatever, he comes back and your job as backup is to not let the play drop off. So he went one and one the past two weeks Probably could have been two and zero, but I think that's more of an effort of coaching and defense than it is anything that Zappy did. I think Zappy, it's more about what he didn't do, which is 
He doesn't really turn the ball over much. And I think that's a huge Patriot staple. So I think that's an easy target for the media to, to think, oh, well, this is Bill's guy because he is very um, conscientious about ball control, about making sure he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, so I think, it, I think this is just easy pickings for the media. Um, I do think that he makes me feel confident if I'm a Pats fan that you can beat teams like the Lions and the Browns without Mac Jones because of your defense, not so much because of what Zappy is or isn't doing. Um, and I think the other thing that is going under the radar is just the past couple of weeks is all this talk about, we don't have enough weapons. You do They, you have so many weapons that they're able to sort of mask the disappearance of Mac Jones right now. And I think that that's a, the running game. It's the O-line. Um, the receivers, like people are trashing Devontae Parker one week and praising him the next. It's also because it's Patriots game plans are very role-based. So we're never going to get the same game twice with the Patriots team. So unless, unless it's something that really, really works and people can't stop it. And I think in a way, maybe we see it this week because of the run game, but that's a, another conversation we can, we can talk about, but I think altogether it's, it's, it's like vulture pickings. It's easy things to target uh, people to get mad about or get just a conversation about because I think right now the media is bored when the Patriots win. So they look for areas that can bring up controversy and drama. So I think that's what it boils down to. And I think if Bailey plays this week and we win, I think Matt comes back next week and I think we win again. <laughs> like that's, that's what I think. Um, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about Rob. Yeah. The schedule, the schedule is very favorable for a few wins here before the bye week. And we were talking about that earlier. Uh, before I go to you, Rob, um, early in the in the chat this week, you brought up a clip from uh, this network is going to get a lot of play. Um, you know, if if Ironhead has uh, Brian Barrett as his um, as as what uh, gives him the Cliff Clavin shivers then NBC takes Boston is what gives me the Cliff Clavin shivers because this network is just unbelievable with their asinine takes and they have everybody under the sun giving them. And unfortunately it's become happenstance for even people that have been very uh, positive about the Patriots over their career. And Michael Holly is one of them. And I'm going to play this clip from uh the Patriots talk, one of the Patriots talk podcasts, which is, you know, it should be called bullshit talk. Um, this is from Michael Holly um, earlier this week. This. And I'm going to tell you, there's something instructive for Mac Jones from watching Bailey Zappi. Now, Zappi uh, does not ask things that Mac Jones does. It's like a rebellious teenager. When you tell him to do something and they just want to say, why, why am I doing that? Why are we doing this? I don't want to go to the room, slam the door. Bailey Zappi, you tell him to do something, he'll do it. He's not asking about why are we running this play? He's not questioning Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. He goes out, he does it. And so they're asking Bailey to accept what they're doing. And Mac Jones doesn't always accept what they tell him to do. And maybe Mac Jones needs to be a little more compromised when he returns to health. He needs to work with them a little more closely. Um, where does that come from? Where, 
it, the, in, the mind boggles just thinking about where i mean besides his asshole rob i mean where did that come from it, it it's it's a whole bunch of bullshit it's completely fabricated it's completely fabricated I, I mean i don't think there's a group of people on planet earth who follow the patriots as closely as we follow them we follow everything written about them we follow everything said about them we follow podcasts we watch idiotic channels like nbc takes boston we watch all of this stuff there hasn't even been a whisper that mac jones is a what are you, a rebellious teenager? What on <laughs> earth are you talking about? A ma- he's basically calling him a malcontent. He's saying that he comes in and wants to do everything his way. You know, who he, he's basically describing what Jeff George used to be when Jeff George came into the league, uh, you know, and was just a coaching nightmare. Everything we've ever heard about Mac Jones from the minute he set foot in Alabama until the minute he set foot in Gillette Stadium is the exact polar opposite of that, that he's the most coachable kid the smartest guy, you know, processes well, it does all these, does all, does everything right, the right way. You know, I mean, you don't just show up as a rookie in the NFL and have the rookie season he had, you know, if you're a, uh, some sort of a malcontent to say nothing of the fact that when you listen to uh, Patriots coaching, pre- they do their coaches press conferences on Tuesday, the day before Michael Holly said that they had Steve Belichick's press conference and they asked him what makes Raekwon McMillan so good. And he said, you know what I love about him? He always asked me why, you know, he's not content with just, you know, because I said, like, he wants to know why I'm running this, why this guy's doing this, why, and he's like, and the more these guys ask why, and the more they understand about, you know, the holistic approach and how everything on this, this defense and this offense works together, the better off everybody's going to be. So, I mean, not only did Michael Holly pull that straight out of his colon, but like, there's just absolutely no evidence to support what he's saying about him being a malcontent. It's, hey, it's I think, my, it, Rob, real quick. I think conspiracy theory time. I think is Mac Jones really injured or is he in Matt Patricia's doghouse? <laughs> has anyone thought about that? Hang on. Let me, I, know, let me, I know Ben, I know Ben Volan has, but I'm just asking. you guys. We're just asking the question callers. That's what we're doing. It, it, you know. It's really, it's really odd how, He's not in the locker room. He has no sources other than, you know, Greg Bedard, who, uh, by the way, he can't get even speaking of Matt Patricia, he can't even give credit to Matt Patricia. Listen to this. How about the credit given to Patricia? For what? <laughs> For what? Go ahead. I mean, I, I know. I mean, the, like, I, I mean, look, he did, he did a good job. The, the, the oh. touchdown pass was a great call against. Right. He anticipated cover two. I assume they're a high cover two team in the red zone. And they lost like five defensive backs in a game. Congratulations for your one offensive touchdown in this game against the worst de- defense in the league. So no, no game. What do you have in your notes here on uh, Matt Patricia? How many positive anything, plays? And no many positives, no negatives. Don't. If congratulations on being on, on working for the Las Vegas uh, Journal for one day. And also, my colleague and enabling again. My colleague's just like, right. Yes, absolutely. Yes, right. more, yeah. more of well, that. The thing, the thing is, you can't have this both ways. You know, if, if Bailey Zappi is good enough and is playing well enough to where they can flood us with these, is Zappi going to take Max job takes? Then the obvious bridge from there is that he's getting coached well because again you don't just show up in the nfl as a rookie and have that sort of success and look that good to say nothing of the fact 
that a lot of his throws are open receivers, which means the coaching staff is doing their job. You also see Bailey Zappi climbing the pocket. He's doing all these things. He's moving around. He's, you know, he, he's, he's adjusting his protections. He's doing all this stuff that you typically don't see from a guy who's only been around for six months, you know? And, and so either the coaching staff is doing their job and Bailey Zappi is good enough to have these conversations or the coaching staff stinks like Greg Bedard thinks. And if that were the case, Bailey Zappi would look completely lost and he doesn't. So how can you not give credit to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, the two guys who have been getting absolutely, you know, roasted since the spring? I mean, you, yeah, that's what, you just can't have it both ways. You can't. Yeah, it's, it's the media and especially local media, which is which is odd to me. They're trying to start the quarterback controversy and the way they did it. And it wasn't it wasn't just one station. It was Boston 25. It was Channel 7. They all asked like two people, um, what did you think about Zappy? And they both. And of course, when you find the most idiotic people, they're going to say the most idiotic things. And then they go with the headline. Well, do people want Zappy to start? It, it's it's pretty unbelievable and if you're if, if you're if you're listening to this if you're under the sound of my voice i'm pretty sure you already know max the, max the starter whenever he's healthy and that may not be this week it probably isn't this week it, it may be next week but if it isn't that means that he isn't healthy enough to start it, it it's it's unbelievable the 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 where the way people go to criticize Bill Belichick, and that's where it comes from. That you know, if Zappy, well, if Matt it doesn't start, well, that means, well, Bill Belichick didn't want him anyway. So here's Zappy, a guy that, well, he's in the fourth round, so he's like a throwaway pick. It doesn't really matter. So he didn't want him either. Context is dead. Yeah, it's funny how quickly the narrative shifted too. Within a matter of like six days, it went from. Bailey Zappi and Garrett Gilbert are the Patriots quarterback depth chart. Well, you know, we're in trouble. You know, this isn't going to end well to is Bailey Zappi better than Mac Jones. <laughs> you know, It happened in a span of what, like six days, you know, it's like, they're so bad and they're making fools of themselves. Really. If you really look at it. So. It's yeah, it just, so... why, why can't it just be what, why can't it just be what it is? Your backup quarterback did your job. The starter comes back. End of story. Instead, it's like, oh, well, what if what if they got Bailey this whole time because they knew this was going to happen because Mac is injury prone. He's he's weak. So they knew it's going to happen. Perfect time. They don't have to explain themselves. Just put Bailey in because they never wanted Mac in the first place. Like this is the kind of BS that dribbles out of our media just because they're so tinfoil wrapped in their their brain. They think they're everything is this conspiracy and Shaq talks about all the time that the Patriots org is this nefarious evil org. That's everything they do is like predetermined uh, planned out um, that, you know, they're, they're being sneaky. They're, they're trying to cut, cut corners and that sort of thing. It's just like, or it could just be, you know, it's this just normal fucking things happening here. Just normal, normal things are taking place and you're trying to make them seem uh, extraordinary or uh, abnormal, whatever you want to call it. It's just, you guys just can't just, you're, you're, you're a bunch of like New Jersey housewives. It's like housewives of, of Foxborough is the media here. They just, just can't get away. <laughs> like, like, like Rob said, you can't go six days without gossip. Can't just like let 
or be like Mike Race and just report. You know, it, we talk about this all the time. It's just like, why can't you just report? <laughs> I don't need your opinion. I don't need your theories. I don't need your rumblings or whisperings of, of sources that are like the janitor in the hall, the uh, Patriots Hall of Fame, that sort of thing. Like, I don't, I don't need that or the guy that works at a concession. Like, I just want to know what is actually happening with the team. Same thing when the Mac Jones injury happened, all the speculation. Let's just wait and see. And holy shit, he's tougher than we thought. It wasn't as bad as everyone said. And none of you know anything about ankle sprains. That's <laughs> just, the, that's what I took away from that was you guys all thought he was going to be out for a year. It's like, okay, high ankle sprains are rough, but that just shows you he's tough. And especially two, initially, you know, everybody makes the meme about him coming out, coming, being held out by oh, the yeah. two guys in his face. But <laughs> apparently oh, yeah. he's a wussy before having that face. But, you know, they wouldn't know high ankle sprain from a, you know, a runny nose. Half these people commenting, if they got a paper cut, they're out for the rest of the day. They're just done. They just quit on the day. So like them or, or you like pull muscle getting up from your chair like that. That's like most of the people that are commenting on this stuff. And this this kid gets a high ankle sprain after a 330 pound lineman. Like basically illegally tackled him and fell on his leg and no one wants to talk about that. part. But anyways, that's why we're here. It's like it's just it's an injury that happened. The backup came in, did his job to an extent. I still don't think Bailey's that great. Like I, I know people rave about him, but I'm like for all the times you guys shit on Brian Hoyer or you shit on Jacoby Brissett or like any of these guys, quote unquote game managers. It's like, that's what Bailey Zappi is. I don't know if you're watching the same games that I am, but and he doesn't do anything. Game, spectacular. A game and a half 1.5 games right. in his career. How does that make him better than Matt Jones? How in, in what, on what earth, not this one or any multiverse. No. And I mean, he, it, you're just, like I said, you're, I hate to say it, but like you're doing your job. Like that's literally what he's supposed to do. Um, I'm, I'm not going to like shit on the team, but obviously we faced the Detroit Lions last week, which I agree with the, the one quote out of that little audio clip that we heard was it's one of the worst defenses in the league. Agreed. So I, I take everything with a grain of salt, although he did really well against a really tough Green Bay defense on the road, too. So you got to find it somewhere in the middle. He's still a young rookie. He's still going to make mistakes. So if when that does happen, not if, when, you, you all can't like be like, oh, this guy sucks now. Like, okay, you guys were all just <laughs> saying he's the second coming of Brady, basically. Like, and that's the other thing. Every time a, a backup comes in and does a good job, you don't have to call it fucking Tom Brady. It doesn't have to be, this is Tom Brady again. Do you people realize how rare that is? Like, I hate having this conversation. Like, do you know how many Tom Brady? There's one. There's one, and we're not going to get another one, at least when I'm alive. There's no way we're getting another Tom Brady performed it. It's impossible. And, and, and just the fact that it's that easy to roll off the tongue is crazy. Yeah, so um, we're on to Cleveland now, and Cleveland, you know, every, everybody's, gonna, I guess there's going to be another, um, I guess, uh, excuse-making for when the Patriots win. There's going to be, well, Jadavion Clowney was out, Denzel Ward was out, 
uh, Bitonio, one of one of the best guards in the AFC, is out. So you know, there's going to be there's going to be a whole lot of that uh, making. And I hate saying excuse because you know guys are hurt, so you can't control that. But it, you know, the the Patriots. This is this is again another game where I'm going to be thrilled to see. Uh, it's going to be Mondre Day, and I, I'm I'm I'll be I'm going to be very happy to see Ramondre get some more carries. And also, uh, well, it won't be Pierre Strong. It, it may even be uh, Cameron Harris, who who was in the, who was just uh, signed from the practice squad, and he looked good in the preseason, but uh, obviously was cut, and now he's back. So it's going to be another run game. I, I, again, I think like like we said last week, uh, and I know you know this, Dan, as a, as an offensive lineman. Run, they just love running the football more than passing because there's a lot more that you can do with with that. And I think this this is a game that calls for that, especially in Cleveland when you know it's, you never know what that stadium. It's it's always weird. There's always weird things that happen in Cleveland, and you know I, I'd much rather them run the ball anyway than pass because not and not not saying that guys like Jacoby Myers and and uh, Kendrick Bourne. And even Taekwon Thornton might get a little more play this week because guys are out. Because to your, po- to your point, Shaq, out, what so, you said before, yeah. what you said before about like I don't want to make excuses because of injuries. Mm-hmm. There's still plenty of injuries happening on the Patriots side. I mean, this is this is football. It, both teams have injuries. You could arguably say that the Patriots have worse injuries going, especially if Mac doesn't play. And then if you don't have Aguilar, um, you don't have, if you don't have Harris. Um, and possibly like if Joe New Smith is out again. I mean, those are pretty decent roles that match up against the decent roles that will probably miss this game for the Browns. So put all that aside, it doesn't really matter. And to your point, I think what people forget is even though it's boring to people, the whole run game stuff, run game is like what makes a football player. Like pass game is 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 great. And I think it's more finessed and people really enjoy that part of the game, but it's so much harder to stop the run than it is to stop the pass. In my opinion, it, it like that's very debatable. I know people are going to say I'm wrong and that's fine, but the run has so many complexities to it. And it, you as a defender, it really breaks you down to rawness. Like, like you're, you have to learn how to shed people. You have to learn how to read direction. You, I mean, there's all sorts of things that go. I mean, sure. There's cues in the pass game too, but I just think that that boils you down to a football player is what you do in the run game. And if you can't handle the run game, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're not, you're not cut out to the, and I, I know people hate that. Um, but I just think like, like that is true football. That's smash mouth football is like, if you can just run it and you're blocking and you're just looking at the guy in front of you, you're like, yeah, I'm going to put you to the ground. Like that's a whole nother level than pass game. pass game to me, especially as a defender, Cornerbacks are one of the hardest positions in the world, but like rushing the passer is one of the easiest things in the world. In my opinion, <laughs> like I think unless you're facing like a Lamar Jackson, which is very difficult or Patrick Mahomes, it's you have one goal and it's it your job is a lot easier than setting an edge and like worrying about multiple blockers and like trying to find the running back, all that stuff. So um, I think that's why the Patriots enjoy it is like it's, yeah, try and stop us. Like, we're really good at this, and we have the linemen to do it. We have the running backs to do it. Um, and someone said it last week. 
even though the Lions knew that they were going to run it with Mondre, it was obvious how many times they were running it and they couldn't stop him. And that's my favorite type of run game. <laughs> it's like when you're like, yeah, we're doing the run and we know you can't stop us. Like that's, that's my favorite thing right now. So uh, I'll, I'll give it over to Rob, but I, I just, I love the potential for this game to be just an absolute run it down their throats kind of game. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's going to be, I love watching that, the run game. I, I really enjoy watching like Ramondre Stevenson just ripping teams apart like he did to the Lions last week. The other part about this game um, that I think is, you know, very similar to the run game that's never talked about and extraordinarily underrated is the massive advantage the Patriots have at head coach. And it's the same sort of advantage they had last week too with uh, uh, Dan Campbell on the other sideline. I mean, it, you want to talk about a coaching mismatch. It, it was absurd. It was absolutely absurd. And as bad as Dan Campbell is, uh, Kevin Stefanski is worse. I mean, the living epitome of that Spider-Man meme was last week with Kevin Stefanski and Brandon Staley both seemingly, you know, making decision after decision that's just cost their team games, you know, and then just watching some of the games that Cleveland's lost this year. It's, I mean, you could pin them all on the coaching staff for the most part, you know, that game they lost to the jets, they were up 13 points with a minute to go and they lost. Like, Rob, how does that happen? That, you nailed it. You nailed it because people were kept talking about it this week saying they're always hanging around in games. It was like, because they, are in control and the coaching staff is screwing them over. And yeah, right. like when this right. is the Patriots or this is like, I don't know. There's so many teams that I know the media likes the rip for the coaching decisions, like Dan Campbell, or they, I mean, I remember before the Lions came in, they're like, this guy's an idiot at the end of the day. Like he doesn't know what he's doing it. And like these tough decisions. And I'm like, you guys are just like not paying attention. I don't think people actually watch the Browns is what I think. Um, because I saw that Jets game and how much the Jets uh, just took advantage of a Browns team that was choking. And, it, 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 you know, it's just, to your point, you, you nailed it. Like, the coaching is a mismatch. And I think that's the thing that they don't want to give credit for. We used to give credit for it all the time, was Bill Belichick has the coaching advantage. No one wants to say it anymore. For whatever reason, they just, like, want to say he has, like, Alzheimer's now. Like, there's no way he has the coaching advantage at this point. Like, look at his drafting, which, by the way, his drafting record in the last couple of years is sick. It's 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 got to be yeah. Jack, Jack number Jones, one, number anyone? two. Yeah, this. I mean, how many Joneses do you want to talk about? <laughs> Good draft picks, but I'm just saying, like, you nailed it. Like, coaching sucks for the Browns. Well, it sucks, like you know, league wide, in my opinion. Um, it, we, you look at like the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, how many get? How many times is Zach Taylor going to make a bonehead decision that's going to cost that team a game? I mean, yeah, he he basically fell ass backwards into the Super Bowl last year. But uh, Mike Lombardi hit it right on the head. He said, you know, in that Super Bowl game, if you helicoptered Bill Parcells in and dropped him on the sideline with five minutes to go in that game and he took the headset away from Zach Taylor, the Bengals win that game. It's that's what it boils down to is these guys. And we're going to get to, a, you know, another one. In, in probably in a few minutes with Mike McDaniel, but these guys who just have their faces buried in a play sheet that have no idea how to manage a game. They have no idea how to close out an opponent. You know, they look at their ridiculous analytics and, you know, like Brandon Staley's going for it up two points at midfield 
fourth and two with 40 seconds to go in the game when Cleveland has no timeouts. It, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like you don't even do that. I just they're it, they're they're mind-boggling decisions. And I mean, if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm I'm going into every week thinking to myself, you know, I have a massive massive advantage over all of these guys. I think part of the reason why they were so competitive in Green Bay is because Matt Lafleur has no idea what he's doing. You know, all of these coaches that get these jobs that just have no idea how to be a head coach. They're essentially offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. It's, you know, it, it's an advantage the Patriots have every week and it's never discussed. And it always seems to, to pop up every week. Yeah. You're two for two there. Like just nailed it again. I mean, I think that these teams are just so it's almost Madden driven. Like they're, yeah, you can score points, but can you stop them? Can you, do you know what to do in this situation where you're on the 45 yard line? Do you punt? What are you going to do? You're going to go for it. Uh, and and to them, they panic most of the time and just say, go for it. Cause the analytics tell them to. And for Dan Campbell, the last time the, the Patriots <laughs> face him, he made a lot of terrible decisions on those fourth downs to go for it. Even though the analytics said to, and I love the the little snippet about analytics is like, well, if he had if he had been successful, the analytics would have been right. Oh no shit. <laughs> that's how that's how all things work. Is if you if you did it right, it the percentage goes up. But I I I think it's funny that you said that because it's true. Like there's so little coaches you see nowadays where they can rely on experience and say, I've seen this before, I've seen this multiple times, or like I know what to do in this situation, or hey, I'm hey, gonna I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give them the 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 score in this this case, case. I'm okay I'm okay because I know because what's going to happen and, and I know how many timeouts they have and I, just like I I just think Bill to your point he has a way better feel for that and I also think that's why Bill doesn't challenge a lot of things even though like he could challenge things I think he knows sort of long term where the game's going in his head and he knows this isn't really worth it because I know where this will we're gonna need that timeout later or uh, it's so close that I'm probably gonna lose it like. I think those are the types of experiential things that these other coaches, to your point, they just look down at the play sheet and say, uh, like, what can I call here? And instead of acknowledging something else that's happening on the field that they should address or addressing a player, that's a problem. And I think you're seeing it right now with Josh McDaniels, Las Vegas. I think he's got a lot of problems on his hands and I don't think he knows how to handle it from a head coaching uh, point of view like I think he's just so used to being like oh I could just call a place Bill's gonna fix that like I don't I don't need to do that part of this and I think that's what Bill's so good is handling that type of bullshit is like hey you know what? I don't I don't need you fucking around here like get off the field or like I'm gonna bench you and everyone like reps him says oh Bill's so old school it's like yeah but that's how football coaches should be like take take accountability show your players in the locker room that you don't have a preference to anybody that I don't think people understand that. Like as a team, like you, you just gotta be a better coach. And I think to your point with the Browns, there's so much bullshit. I mean, look at the organization. They have Deshaun Watson. That's the biggest elephant in the room that no one's talking about this week, of course. And I don't even want to get into like the, the, uh, the sainthood of these organizations and like, Who's the best and everything like that. It's like, dude, you got a shitty quarterback that you're waiting. You can't wait to start against the Houston Texans, his old team, which is all fabricated bullshit. Uh, you know, the, I think people just want the Browns to be good because of Miles Garrett, because of these 
faces that they see out there, Amari Cooper. Um, and I think to your point, it's people always think it's going to be a mismatch because of the players on paper versus, oh, what can happen situationally in this game where Bill can take advantage of it? It's so underrated what he does in these like little mismatches. And like last week, holding the number one offense to zero points is huge. I don't care what team it is. And I don't care if their defense sucks. You held them to zero. That's the biggest thing to take away. You would have won it regardless, even if they put up some points, but like you held them to zero. And that, that I hate how that so quickly gets swept under the rug because of the situation. Oh, it's Alliance. Uh, you know, it's not that, you know, they're playing tomato cans, all that bullshit that happens with these types of things. We said it last week at, right after the win, we said tomorrow's going to be, oh, but it's the Lions. You know, it's, it's that. And that's what the whole thing the next day is like, they, they stepped up on their own feet. They, they puked on their own feet, whatever the, the saying was. And uh, I think with the Browns, that's the one thing, Rob, to your point, I'm going to hate <laughs> is if they immediately dismiss everything because of the coaching. Yeah, and the other thing to watch with Belichick that I really enjoy is his adjustments. You know, like a team will come out and, uh, you know, it happened last year against the Browns. The, the first drive of the game, the Browns went right down the field. And then after that drive, you could see the coaching staff huddle on the sideline. They changed a few things. And the next thing you know, it was 45 to 7. <laughs> you know, it's like like they, they're, they're constantly adjusting. They're constantly evolving. They're changing. When things aren't working, they're quick to get away from it. You know, and then you can see also see Belichick coaching his coaches in the Super Bowl against the Rams. He pulled Brian Flores aside and was like, "Okay, we got 15 or 20 calls left in the game. Go through them right now before you get on the field. You know, make sure you get them right. Make sure we have the right person. Like he's he's always thinking ahead. He's always coaching everything. He's got his fingers and his hands on every little aspect of the game. He doesn't have his face buried in a play sheet. You know, it's I'm telling it's such an advantage that nobody talks about. And the one thing that. I guarantee is going to be brought up this week. We know it's all coming is Nick Chubb was the guy the Patriots should have drafted is definitely going to come up this week. We're going to hear it so much, especially if he has a good game, which honestly, I'd be surprised if he has like an amazing game because I think this defense is that good. Um, I think people underrated Gotchow and I think they underrated Barmore in terms of the run game, even Judon, uh, and I think Guy comes back this week. I think they're going to be stout. And I think they're going to take away the run game and say to Jacoby Brissett, beat us. And I think Jonathan Jones is a huge loss if he's not playing. But I think they see enough in Jack Jones that they're like, yeah, I think we'll be okay. And Jack Jones is probably going to be with – I mean, I don't know if he goes with Amari Cooper. I think – if he does, he's going to get safety help. Probably. I don't, I, there's no way they're going to leave Jack Jones on an island with Amari Cooper. Well, uh, according even to some if, people, according to some people, Jonathan Jones was supposed to go against um, the Joku, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly it's not Adrian Phillips doing that or, or Peppers. Yeah. <laughs> or it's, Peppers. it's suddenly Jonathan Jones. Well, even Miles Bryant, he's done some tight end coverage. Uh, or or he he takes on guys taller than him like he he took on Claypool in the Steelers game and people thought he did an awful job he only got two receptions off of him in that game like he, it looks way worse because I think of the circumstance is like 
oh, we got a first down. What's wrong with you? It's like, you know, it, it's it's easy to to pick at that, but like overall, I think the only thing that frustrates me with Miles Bryant is like when he was doing punts and dropping them. I think that that was my biggest thing with him. Otherwise, I don't really have a big problem with him. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think the matchups in this game favor the Pats, especially the O-line. Our O-line is healthy. I mean, that's one thing that's so underrated going into this game is your D-line is hurt. Our O-line is good. You're also not going to have Ward. So I think, yeah, we don't have Aguilar, but that's the great thing about our wide receiver core that is also underrated is the depth. Jacoby Myers is clutch. He looked great last week. But Parker's coming on. He had a couple of pretty good games recently. And Tyquan Thornton's back. So I think Hunter Henry and hopefully Jonah Smith comes back too. Like they're going to get into it. They Hunter Henry was better last week. He's, he's getting back up to where he should be. So I think offensively they should be fine. Whoever the quarterback is that starts. I really like, this is my personal opinion. You guys pr- probably agree. I think is I think they can beat this team with Bailey Zappi at quarterback. That's not a nog on Mac or anything like that. It's more like, I feel like this team is good enough running game and defense wise. They can get the job done and give Mac the extra week to heal up. Like, don't you want, if he is your franchise quarterback, you want him to be a hundred percent. So like, that's where I think this, this is the media back to Rob's point earlier. This is the media's whole uh, insurance policy narrative right now is before it was the team is forcing Mac to rush back. Oh, well, if the team is forcing Mac to rush back, why do they want Bailey, Bailey Zappi to be the starter then? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So, you want Mac to, you don't want Mac to be the starter, but you want to rush him back. I'm, I'm very confused at what the premise is at this point. So, it, it's, it's to me, I think it's just like they're, they're covering all their bases. You know, they're hedging their bets, if you will, um, about the narratives. And I think that's just an easy thing to do back to the whole vulture thing. But, He's just Bailey can just do his job, be a filler in the running game, and the defense can do its job. And there we go. And special teams. Don't forget about special teams. Uh, special I was teams. talking. Well, why to, would uh, you invest in special teams? <laughs> right. I was talking to a friend of mine before the Lions game, and I said, you know, if I'm Dan Campbell, I'm going to try to, you know, stick Bailey Zappi in a long field as much as I possibly can. So what does he do? First drive of the game, goes for it, and his own 45 doesn't get it, and all of a sudden Bailey Zappi's on a short field. You know, again, coaching it comes down to coaching. But I mean, I think when you add in running game, defense, special teams, uh, you know, I think you're right. I think the Patriots can win that game. And, you know, they're going to stick in the occasional play action. Bailey Zappi will go, you know, 18 for 22. And they'll, I think they win the game. So I also don't care if we win by like a point. I don't care. I don't get why people look at this as like, if we win every week by a point, I'm happy. You just won. doesn't matter. Everything else is easy. And people should know this. Anything about a win that people are going to criticize, they're assholes. There's no reason to criticize a win, especially if you're a fan. There's no point. There's just, just move on. Look at, look, you're supposed to look ahead. That's exactly what the team is doing. So like, why are we picking things apart? Unless something egregious is happening. That's happening game after game after game. Sure. But like in this instance, if they sneak, if they just sneak one out, I don't care. They're on the road. It doesn't matter. 
Well, Rob, you and I are, you know, we're here and you, you had that seg you had the segue already hewed up. But um, speaking of coaching or lack thereof, we have to talk about uh, this guy. Yeah, swag. We're talking about Mike McDaniel, by the way, if you didn't know. Um I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> I thought we were about to go into like a soldier boy I, I had video. It up wrong, but yeah, I was trying to play a video, but that didn't work. But anyway, um, this guy Mike McDaniel, I, I, I when when it was happening, and you know we were talking about it in the in the chat, I thought it was a joke. I, I honestly thought that it was a fake story, and it's, this wasn't actually a real thing. But on Wednesday. Mike McDaniel comes out in this press conference and he praises the team, especially the team captains, for removing a ping pong table in the locker room. And the reason why is because he says that they'll be able to better focus on their opponents. Okay. Weird that you that that he even brings that up is just odd, but okay. And then the next day, you have Tyreek Hill, who, you know, he's such a wonderful, he's just a wonderful human being, isn't he? Just, just a lovely guy, wouldn't do anything that hurt a fly. Tyreek Hill says the reason that the table was removed, it, it wasn't so that they could focus on their opponents. No, it was because it was bent. And, and they're ordering a brand new custom one. Oh, my God. I I mean, earlier in the season, everybody was on the Dolphins bandwagon and saying that, you know, Mike McDaniel, he has this team on lock. He's got he's got it going on. You know, the way he coaches, the, the style of coaching, and he's just so funny. And there are still people, even to this day, who are who love his press conferences and love that he wears, you know, Yeezys and, and uh, you know, glader shoes and whatever. But this is unbelievable. I mean, I, I can't even imagine being a fan of this. And like, it's, it, it's, it's wild how a player just contradicts what you say. And it's like, well, yeah, whatever. That's what happens. Like, what do you, what do you guys think about this? Well, I mean, they, it, the mothership used to do this thing, or they did this one uh, bit where it was, you had to, they give a take and then they would, you would say whether you thought it was pitch bot or an actual, Oh, that was uh, us. That, yeah. That was oh, us. That you we, got, yeah. We, we, we should do it again. I, yeah. I, yeah, I think I'll do it for the bye week. Whether it was pitch bot or a legit take that like a Volan <laughs> had or something like that. And some of them were like, really, if you had told me, you know, hey, this is the take that the, you know, Mike McDaniel is going to remove a ping pot. You know, I would have been like, oh, that's pitch bot. You know, <laughs> there's no way that's real. <laughs> you know, that's what I would have thought. But I mean, again, it goes back to what we were just talking about. There's a big difference a colossal difference between a coordinator and a head coach and Mike McDaniel is a coordinator and when that rears its ugly head is when things are not going your way when that rears its ugly head it's when you stick your quarterback into a game four days after he has a concussion and he gets rocked again and the media is coming down on you you know you don't need a coordinator then you need a head coach and Mike McDaniel is not a head coach and when you're yanking ping pong tables out of locker rooms and this is your idea of leadership and then your players are contradicting this is not going to end well I think we can all tell you that we can all tell that pretty pretty clearly and at this point in time I think these next two or three or four games for the Dolphins are absolutely monumental 
if they go on a a, 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 pro, a prolonged losing streak here, McDaniels is going to lose. McDaniels is going to lose that team. And he's going to lose that team because he's not a leader. He has no leadership. That guy is not standing up in front of 60 guys when, when the train is, you know, is heading for a ravine. And he doesn't have that gravitas to pull that team back and pull that train back on the tracks and get them winning again. He's a great guy to have around when everything's going great and you're winning games and Tyreek Hill's running all over the field and scoring touchdowns and he's doing all this. Then, oh yeah, Mike McDaniel. Oh, what a, what a guy. Look at him. Isn't he funny? Isn't he witty? You know, but I'm telling you, when shit starts going sideways, that's when you need a head coach. And they, the Dolphins don't have one. And we're about to see what happens when you don't have a head coach. And that season, I have a feeling, is going to go sideways in a hurry. He seems like the most mousy coach of all time. Like, as soon as trouble happens, he's going to scurry away. And he's very lucky. He has a media group that actually likes him because they, they propped him up to be this great, I mean, I couldn't get over it. like our Boston media. I'm going to say our media because I don't even want to own them. Boston media, Miami media, ESPN, just drooling over this guy just because he wore cool sneakers and he just talked like someone that's 18 years old. I mean, like, cool. Awesome. But you know what? I found the most embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing that someone made a story about a ping pong table being removed from the locker room. It's just, I have so many questions like, I know Steve said this too. It's just why is this in the locker room in the first place? And second, who gives a shit? Like if you removed it, cool. Like, wow, you're fucking 25 to 35 years old and you're removing a ping pong table. Good on you. And the, the other thing it told me is this head coach does not talk to his players. He doesn't really like if he really talked to his players, Tyreek Hill would have told him, Hey man, that table sucks. I'm just getting a new one. And that's exactly what happened. And yet the day before you have the coach saying to me, that's true leadership, which is a <laughs> bunch of bullshit. Cause the guy was about to basically, you know, you guys know the uh, Marines <laughs> statue from world war two for Iwo Jima where they're raising the flag up. Yeah. Like that's basically what Mike, Mike McDaniel wanted to do was do Tyree Kill propping up a ping pong table, going out the locker room as a statue to say, like, this this is leadership, is what he wanted to have engraved on that. Like, that is yeah, again, Tyree Kill is the guy to do exactly that. Tyree Kill, who was accused of domestic abuse for both his wife and his kid, and shows up to Miami. And if you even pitch to any of his interviews, he doesn't give a shit about this team. He doesn't give a shit about you. He just cares about putting up stats and showing that he's the best receiver in the league. He doesn't care about wins. He's just, he, this is, and I said this in the chat too, Antonio Brown 2.0. Just wait. This guy, I mean, you wear sunglasses indoors during interviews. You're an asshole. You're, you're talking about yourself almost in the third person half the time. Asshole. This guy is going to go down in flames. Mike McDaniels is going to go down with him. He's not going to know what to do. Mike McDaniels is just going to keep thinking like, oh, if I just keep calling plays, if I keep <laughs> just keep my head buried in my play sheet, everything will go back to normal around me. Dude, you're in the AFC East. The only one that has ever survived is Bill Belichick. And you guys, everyone hates that because he's the only one that just like sees through the bullshit 
he doesn't feed into the media, which I don't know about you guys, and I know, I know the answer already, but like, don't you want a coach that doesn't feed into the media bullshit? Like, I'd be so embarrassed if our coach was Mike McDaniel. Like, I'd be so embarrassed. That is, but there, are, but 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 again, it, it goes back to: uh, Are we the enemy? Because I see, I see, I know it's just Twitter, but I see these these these. I know, and and also they're Dolphins fans, but I just see them like, I, wow, this guy is so open. I love his personality. At least he's not an old old curmudgeon who who you know disparages his but i'm like what it, 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 this guy is giving out information he's saying the most stupidest things stop and talking. Stop. that's what i would do it's like if i was if I like would... the general general manager or someone an executive on the team I'd be like shut the fuck up just stop talking stop telling them everything we're doing and like that's what i love about bill belichick is he doesn't give him anything and the funniest thing was the other day when I think it was Ben Volans like talking. I don't know what coach he was talking about, but he's like, "Why can't Bill Belichick be like this? Just tell us everything that's going it on." It was Kyle Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, who, he was like, giving all the injury information, which again is another media obsession I do not get. Why people love Kyle Shanahan? They love Sean McVay. They just love these younger guys. It's like, yeah, man, they've won some stuff, but like at the end of the day, they're not that great. Like you, you guys, I mean, someone already wrote an article that said Sean McVay is better than Bill Belichick. So, like, like yeah, I Seth, think right. Seth, Seth Wickersham, Wickersham, you know, yeah, with, well. and 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 McVay, McVay is doing his, you know, his Instagram poses with his hand behind his back and you know, kissing the Lombardi Trophy, you know, all normal pictures, you know, no yeah. straps all in there and all. Yeah, why can't why can't there be one of Bill giving the Lombardi a? a tit job or something i don't know like in just, my in my opinion the, the he has built belichick has taken thirst traps i mean the the picture with him and, and the uh championship belt that's a thirst trap <laughs> well I, I just i just think it's very bizarre that we're so obsessed about young coaches like oh wow you just had puberty that's cool and you're coaching a team it's like why are we so fascinated with younger people coaching it's like I think what you should be doing is stepping on the brakes and saying, whoa, how are you qualified to run an NFL team? I think that's what right. people should and, be and, asking. And I don't want to, and I don't want to talk, you know, it's not politics or anything, but I think it's, it's all in life too. You know, there's always, there's always these people who are like, oh, well, why are those old people there? They don't, they don't, they're, they're too old. They're too antiquated. They need to get the, the younger people. I'm like, well, who, how else can you learn unless you to learn from somebody who's done it before, unless you learn from somebody who's achieved the highest that they could ever possibly achieve. Like, cause they've seen shit before you yeah. haven't. And as soon as you see it for the first time, you're going to shit your pants. And that's right. like all the Pats fans do too. And I think it's just like younger people gravitate towards that. It's like, Oh, he pisses his pants too. Like I do the same thing, but I'm not even a coach. So I, you know, I connect with that. That's basically what I get from like, you know, these, I don't want to, I don't want to connect with a coach. I'm sorry. Like, I just like, I want you to run a football team. Well, that's what right. I want. And if you have a connection with your players, that is awesome. That's what it should be. But like me as a fan, why do I need to connect with my coach as long as he's doing a good job? And like, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to have a beer with you. I'm trying. Yeah. To- <laughs> well, it's the same thing with parents. It's like, I'm not best friends with my parents. <laughs> like anyone that says that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But like, you know, at the end of the day, they as long as they raised you right, they did their job. Like they don't need to be your best friend. That's the point. It's like he's doing his job as his coach. He 
And that means he respects you too. Like as soon as I think someone opens the friendship door as a coach, like these Mike McDaniels, Sean McVay's, the LaFleur's, their Cliff Kings, Kingsbury, like all these young guys just like, you don't need to be friends with buddy, buddy, just because you want to go to all the parties and like, you want to be cool. And you, you still live in your younger self. Like, that's what I think the media does too. I mean, look at Albert Breer. You got a guy who talks about his high school days at least 10 times a week on Twitter. Like these guys are just obsessed with being younger and, and, and staying young. But I, I just think like the, the media obsession with these guys, like Mike McDaniel is, is I, I don't remember this happening before i don't know if you guys remember a time where we we praised young coaches like we do right now but all right so um i've wanted to do this segment for a couple of weeks now um since you haven't been on in a while dan um and you actually had the idea for this um there there are certain media people where it you know just 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 a, a stern talking to would won't do so you know, we don't condone violence around here. That, that's number one. We just we just want to make that clear. We do not condone violence. But if there's ever a media member you want to slap, who would that be? Or not even a media member, just somebody who has a very public persona on the on on social media, on television, anywhere. Just it, that's related to the Patriots. Who 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 would that person be? And, and uh, I'll go I'll go to you first, Dan, since this was your idea. Oh, hmm. this is a tough one this week, but it's got to go to Greg Bedard. Well, that's <laughs> is, is it that is it for that clip or is it just because he is who he is? Oh, it's for that clip. It's who he's become. It's he's just this asshole. Like he just he there's nothing he says that's even somewhat positive of the team. And it, I think it has to do with the fact that I had no all... clue. <laughs> I think it's because he's lost all this weight, even though at this point, it's like, when do you when stop do you... telling he's actually losing weight? Like he just, I just see more gizzard every week. He just, he's becoming like almost like a Thanksgiving. Bird. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't understand it. He, he just seems way too overconfident for a guy who number one, isn't at that stadium half the time had his press pass revoked for like two years and he just hates Matt Patricia. <laughs> I don't know what Matt Patricia ever did. I'm sure Matt Patricia did something to him in the past to scorn him just to be like, I don't give a shit about you. And he's taking it all out now. But the fact that you can't give the guy credit for, first of all, can we all just remember this was supposed to be a disaster, a disaster. So a disaster to me at this point is we haven't won a game, right? Not only have we not won a game, but we're like ranked 30 to 32nd in offense. Are the Patriots any of those things? No. So you you need to give some credit, man. Like, like what are you standing at this point? And I think if, if Matt Patricia has a good game this week and he just continues to have these good games, like, and he still doesn't give in to him, Dude, you're just a fucking asshole at this point. Like, the, and, and I think we all we all see this, and most of the people that listen to this and the people part of Entile Town know this. It's a fact. But the, it's just other people just see that this guy is a fucking asshole. Like, he doesn't deserve your money. He doesn't deserve your time. He adds nothing of value. And the only reason why 98.5 Sports Hub uses him is because they 
link with their agenda of shitting on the team. Like, why doesn't anyone understand that? And he's just, that whole clip was like, it all personified. Like that was, they all laughed together because they, they're like, oh, I love this. They love when you can't even give the, the guy credit and you're just going to shit on him. They all just cackle. It's like, that's cool. Cool, dude. Like you're messing with other people's real careers while you're making like 45,000 as a shithead uh, snake oil salesman. But yeah. All right. So let's slap him. What is the five fingers? Say to the face. <laughs> what? Slap. All right, Rob, who's your victim? Well, it would have been Bedard, but he's gone. He's off the table. So I'm going to go with Ben Bowen. Um, and the reason why is obvious. Um, you know, his takes are just beyond idiotic. They're, they're borderline gross at times. Some of the things he says, um, Bedard, I would have gone with just for the Barmore slander, which I, I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. He's never been called to account for that, but you know, that's for a different day, but it's for me, it's Ben Bolin and partially the, the reason why I loathe him so much isn't even really his fault. Um, I loathe him so much because of the, sort of credibility that's given to him based on the publications he writes for and more than that the reputation of the publication that he writes for because back in the day prior to you know Volin and all these other guys it was Will McDonough who McDonough actually you know love him or hate him the guy at least did his job and he did it well you know he wasn't out there I, if if Will McDonough were alive he would beat the ever loving hiss out of Ben Volan before he would let him walk through that door and cover the NFL for the Boston Globe. And what drives me nuts is that Ben Volan is given this layer of credibility that's built on a foundation of the Will McDonough's of the world and what the Globe used to be back when it was actually reputable and did its job. And now, I mean, he's just a carnival barker now. I mean, he's, he's a punchline, yet people you know, down here in the Philadelphia market where I live, people say, oh, you know, who, who should we get on the radio to talk Patriots? Oh, let's get the guy from the Globe, assuming that the guy from the Globe is not, you know, is at least intelligent enough to, you know, use a knife and fork. And Ben Volan is not, you know, he's a complete moron. Then you get him on there and then he starts spouting all of this nonsense that then they think, oh, well, it comes from the Globe. It's got to be, you know, there's got to be something behind it. And then that and then they have him on shows like the rich eisen show and they have him like yeah. on all these national shows and then the national narrative and the national you know takes on the patriots become these moronic things that we complain about every single week that make us want to slap people and it uh, you know for me bedard would be tops on my list but when but with bedard off the table it's got to be ben bolin uh he is the worst of the worst I, I'll just add just to your nomination, Rob, because I would have gone for Bowen. It was, a, you know, it's very close. <laughs> but the fact that he outed himself on Thursday Night Football was so revealing about how this guy crapped <laughs> on the Patriots about Mac Jones and wanted Justin Fields or Trey Lance to be picked. And then immediately when the game starts on Thursday Night Football, he's like, have to admit, haven't seen much of Justin Fields at all. <laughs> 
he doesn't seem like he's that good. It's like, holy shit, like you're the senior writer of the globe for the NFL, not just the Pats, the NFL. And you you haven't watched any Justin Fields for a guy that you vouch for. Like, holy shit. Like, this guy is so dumb. I, I don't like he just lack like self-awareness is a zero. Uh intelligence is a zero. So it's just like this guy couldn't find him a paper bag. Well, his most recent his most recent tweet, like as of like 40 minutes ago, was uh baseball and, and I quote. Baseball and football in a nutshell. Mariners, Mariners, Astros, nothing, nothing in the tenth. Alabama, Tennessee, 49-49 in the fourth. Oh my goodness. Sports are different. Imagine that. You need to get slapped for that. What is the five fingers? Say to the face. <laughs> what? Slap. So my choice <laughs> this week is. Somebody who isn't a media member, and that's in quotes, but somebody who has a, well, I guess a relatively large following, even though like 2,000 followers on Twitter isn't really that much of a following, but it's enough that it influences fans or it influences the people who want to be influenced. And Dan, you're smiling because I think you know where I'm going. Uh, Rob, I think you do too. And everyone who's don't say his name. uh, Don't don't. (laughs) I I have to. I have to. And everyone in our chat will know who I'm talking about. It's Justin Ramos. He is. I'm really not sure what words to pin on him because it's like I can't say he knows better because he doesn't. But I also can't say that I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know what he's trying to be. But it's it's in between stupidity and is he trying to be a a satirical account or is he just that dumb or it's it, it's a combination of everything. He, he just needs to be slapped because you're you're influencing people who want to believe it. Again, the, the comments infuriate me because it's like you guys are. I guess again, I guess you. You, you you figure that young people are the ones who are influenced by this, but no, I see, you know, people who who are of our age and older, who who hear this stuff and are like, yeah, uh, yeah, um, the Patriots are in trouble because Justin Jones, Jonathan Jones, isn't going to be playing. Yeah, they're 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 in deep trouble because of that. Um, it 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 hurts, but deep trouble. Um vocabulary is, is is really messed up there oh I, i'm gonna see if i can I'm, i don't want to find any more tweets but his bio this guy is terrible his bio header does say i believe i forget what it is now now at one point it said nfl reporter lover teacher so just keep these things in mind while you're saying these things about him <laughs> oh, guy no. is a wow. lover and a teacher anymore it just says nfl reporter teacher patriots insider it says fucking liar is what it's <laughs> Yeah, he's he's just the worst. Um, oh, oh, wait. Oh, here's another one. Um, to, uh, Christian McCaffrey, who now is uh, on the trading block for the Carolina Panthers, he says he is definitely, in capital letters, worth the money. No doubt, in capital letters. This should be a no-brained, and that's the way it's spelled, no-brained for Belichick. Help out your offense that struggles in the red zone. Help out your quarterback on a rookie contract. It's time. Again, I don't know if this tweet is satirical or if that's what he really believes. 
but I I can't decipher it. And because I can't decipher it, um, you need to be slapped too. What is the five fingers? Say to the face. <laughs> what? Slap. So hopefully that that's a weekly thing. So we'll always find somebody to slap because there are just too many idiots on social I will media say and about elsewhere. Ramos is like, if he's this, if this is actually satire this entire time, it is legit the funniest thing yeah, ever. Absolutely. Like, to someone that actually created that account and just thought, like, oh, I know this really dumb guy named Justin Ramos. Like, what if what if I created an account <laughs> where he was like pretending to be an NFL reporter? Uh, because I almost think, like, to your point, Shaq, it's the picture he, that kills me too. Like he's like he's he looks so innocent, smiling with his plug, yeah. and it's like, oh god. Like that's the thing that like I just don't, I almost don't believe it's a real account. It's because like this kid looks too nice. Like this, what he's saying is like DJ Bean Bedard on steroids, and like <laughs> what he looks like looks like such a nice kid, but. It would also be a mastermind if that's the case too, because do you know, it, like some of the things he says, I'm kind of concerned about him. Like when he said the other day that the Carolina Panthers are having a fire cell instead of a fire sale, I was a little <laughs> concerned for him. I was like, do you know what a fire sale is? Um, a fire cell? I, I mean, where you, you, you sell fire? You've already, you know, wow, it's already happened, but. He he just I almost feel bad for him. That's why I just mute him. I muted him because I'm just like, oh, he's blocked for me. Like I I, yeah. I do not want to see that crap. And I, I think again, we all, we all look joking. crazy. We all look crazy like quoting him and like I know it's so easy, but it's just like I think this kid's just like either <laughs> there's something seriously wrong with him or he is a genius and this is all satire i mean like either this i just cannot believe there's an actual person saying those things straight faced just I, I i can't like i i feel like if they did they he at one point was a part of a mental institution yeah so uh the, the, that that's going to be uh hopefully a, a weekly or bi-weekly segment if we get a chance to um we have one email before we do final thoughts um it's from our buddy Vinny Jace. Um, it's entitled Colin Cowherd. It's from the Colin Cowherd clip we played a couple weeks ago, Rob, that you found. Um, he says, I remember when Cowherd hitched his wagon to Chip Kelly, praising him up and down as he burned his house down in Philly. What does Cowherd know about coaching? Patricia and McDaniels coached top 10 defense and offenses, respectfully, and the latter did a great job incorporating a rookie quarterback. We accept Romeo Cornell and Charlie Weiss as good coordinators, just not head coaches. Why can't we do that for McDaniels, Patricia, and Judge? The amount of idiocy that surrounds this team is nauseating every week. Your pride and sanity is on the line, and I'm screaming into the void. Two years it's been Brady's ran Brady, ran Brady out of town, despite the news Brady tampered with the Dolphins and planned his exit years in advance because his wife wanted to move to warmer climate. But no, Bill didn't draft Debo Samuel, so now Brady isn't here anymore. So yeah, there's there's a lot to, to unpack with that, Vinny, but it's it's really crazy how the narrative always changes when it, it's convenient for the people who want it to change. So uh yeah, it is interesting how we haven't heard anything about that Brady news about you know him tampering in that entire 2019 season. 
but you know, but 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 it was Belichick who forced Brady out. That's what you hear from all these, you know, these burner accounts, you know, who who don't listen to this podcast, you know, as much as they would like to tell you, they don't listen to this podcast or Title Town, but they do want you to know that they're objective and they will tell you that 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 you know Brady that Brady owns Bill. What do you guys think about about any any of this this mess about Colin Cowherd and and, and the Belichick and Brady argument that's you know seemingly uh, incessant? I mean, Colin Cowherd is and has always been a complete fool. You know, he just I think we discussed his re- the reason why he got fired at ESPN when he made that you know just completely disgusting remark about baseball and how it can't be a thinking man's game because a third of the players are Dominican, you know, like anybody who would say something like that on an open microphone to a nationwide audience, anyone who would say something like that in general is an asshole, but anybody who would open up a microphone and say that to a nationwide audience, I think tells you all you really need to know about that guy. Um, And the fact that he still has a show and that people still listen to him, you know, it really does. It's kind of discouraging, you know, in terms of, my overall thoughts on, you know, our culture when, when a guy who's that, you know, just moronic has such a wide following and has so many listeners, it's, you know, it's just discouraging to think, but, you know, I try to pay him no mind, but every once in a while, he says something like that, that just goes right up my ass and I have to call him out for it. So. I mean, he's like a shock jock. He, he just says things to get a rise out of people get a reaction he doesn't know half the stuff he's talking about i mean like he he did that whole thing where he was like ripping trey lance trey lance dated his daughter like it's just a weird like he just pretends that there's no context to his life he can say anything and and that's how i think of him i almost think of him like a like just he's like a muppet like i don't i don't really care about what he has to say i'm the same way with skip bayless Stephen A. Smith, I mean, Jim Rome, they're all just like characters. They're not real people that have real opinions or have real insight. They're there just to provoke, to get ratings. That's their job. I mean, I, I think a lot of people like think like, this guy knows. I was like, what the fuck does that guy know? about what's happening in the league. Have you looked at him? He has no idea like what he's he's even doing. <laughs> and just I think people like his voice. I think that's what people think like, oh, if you have a voice like that, you must be like a good sports commentator. Um, which is true to an extent, but it's just like if you actually that's the thing I hate about not just this country, but like just people in general is just don't even ask the question, what has this guy done? Like, why would I listen to this guy and just Google him for a second? And then if you just saw, oh, he's just been talking about sports. He doesn't actually know anything. I think that's what people don't realize. Like these guys just talk about sports. They don't actually know. They don't, they didn't work for these teams. They weren't scouts. They weren't co- former coaches, for, even former players, half these guys. Like they're bunch of fucking radio nerds that were in your av club in high school that know as much as you and me in terms of the inside what's going on inside the locker room what's actually going inside the organization 
Like most of these guys don't actually have contacts. And that's what I hate about, I mean, I hate to make this segue, but like, just that's what I hate about most of the guys that report on the, the Patriots, especially like Albert Breer. He's like, you don't have any contacts anymore, dude. You burn those bridges. Greg Bedard. <laughs> He's not you allowed in. <laughs> you, Greg Bedard, you're allowed back in again, but you've burned a lot of bridges, man. Like you're, your info is so tainted. Like if people just did a little bit of research about your Gronk draft takes, your your running back takes, your uh, Christian Barmore takes. I mean, like go on and on and on. Mac Jones, like you, you're wrong. So who is your source? Because either you have one that's really bad and you should probably move on, or you're just making shit up. And I think that's what a lot of. I mean, that's what we live in is like a reactionary. Who's got it first? Whispers, drama. Like, that's the world we live in. And we've talked about this before. I remember last year on the podcast, we talked about a lot. It's like disinformation on the internet. It's so hard to tell what information is actually true and what's not nowadays, especially to older people. And I think, Shaq, that's what you were saying is like people our age or older are falling for this stuff. It's like, because there's so much disinformation, it's hard to tell what's actually true and what's, what's not. So I think that leads into it. But I honestly, like Colin Coward says, I really don't give a shit <laughs> ever. doesn't matter what he's talking about. I don't, I don't care. All right. So um, we're going to go to final thoughts. And I want to do this final thought first. And it's from our good buddy, John, uh, from Entitled Town. Um, he about this wonderful clip. And when I say wonderful, it's it's really uh, unbelievable. Uh, Justin Fields had a terrible game uh, on Thursday Night Football, and he hasn't really impressed over over his career. And this is the wonderful Mina Kimes, uh, who who you know she's football football savant Mina Kimes, uh, talking about Justin Fields possibly falling to the Patriots, and if that happens, you know. I guess she'll see God because that's what she loves to say. So let, let's let's hear from her. If Justin Fields falls to the New England Patriots at mm -hmm. 11, I'm calling for an investigation. This is bigger than Spygate. It's bigger than Deflategate. We got to do that's a new right. Wells report. Um, <laughs> it would be so outrageous for a quarterback of his caliber to go there. And if it does happen, uh, there should be a celebration in all of New England. And conversely, guys, there should be a protest, a riot in Denver, which is picking before New England. Yeah. Because if that, if the Broncos were to actually pass on fields, Todd hasn't taking a cornerback and stick with Drew Locke, who just frankly hasn't shown the sort of accuracy and decision-making that would justify uh, that sort of choice. Uh, I would be devastated as a Broncos fan and furious to miss out on that opportunity. But man, Justin Fields in New England, I, I, my blood is boiling just thinking about it. Wait, wait a second. Is she from like Seattle? Why does she sound like she's Southern in that clip? I, I mean, that <laughs> might just be me and someone's going to like call me oh, an asshole, asshole. But like she, she definitely had like a twang in there and like saying y'all like, I mean, like, where are you from? Are you from Seattle? I mean, I don't know. Just, just, I just never noticed that before. She just really sounded Southern. That's NFL analyst Mina Kimes, by the way. 
it, there's no there's no accountability anywhere. And but but again, she could run an NFL team though. She she could she she can be an owner according to some of these people. And it you know it, it it's really just dumb shit. Of, of course, it's ESPN, so it's always dumb shit twenty four seven. But you know, it would be great if we just had people not say dumb shit. And that's where people like you know, thankfully, uh, the guest uh, last week's guest of Entitled Town, uh, Matt Chatham. You know, people like that are rare, but you know they're gems. And I hope we would listen to more of those guys than people like, like Mina Kimes. So, uh, Rob, w- what's your final thought? Well, my final thought will be quick. Um, so it's basically a Jacoby Myers appreciation. Um, I, I think uh, anybody who's followed the Patriots as long as as I'm assuming, guessing we all have. We know how important that slot receiver position is to the offense, and we've seen what happens when it's not there. It started with Troy Brown, uh, who kind of, you know, developed it along with Charlie Weiss and, you know, passed the torch on to Wes Welker, who, you know, came in in 2007 after they didn't have anybody really in 2006, and we saw the offense kind of get stuck in the mud. The thing that's so, you know, important about that position is not only is it the chain mover in the offense, the, the third and seven guy. Uh, it's also blocking in the run game that people don't really pay a whole lot of attention to. And it went from Troy Brown. Then they didn't have anybody in 06. They go out and get Wes Welker. It was overshadowed a bit by when, by the Randy Moss acquisition. But Wes Welker was that guy who was keeping the chains moving and keeping the offense kind of moving down the field. Obviously, he hands it over to Julian Edelman. And then when Edelman started to break down a little bit, the knee started getting hurt and he was missing games. You could kind of see the offense again, getting stuck in the mud. And I remember thinking, "Uh Oh, you know, who do we have in the pipeline? Who's going to fill that role? Cause that role is critical in this offense. And in steps, Jacoby Myers, who was really, really good last year and didn't get a whole lot of fanfare. And to me, he's the difference maker on the offense right now, when he's on the field, I mean, we've only played, we've only seen them play five games and he, I feel like he makes multiple huge catches every single week. And then you watch him blocking in the run game. You watch him doing all these things. He's going to be a free agent after this year. I have a pretty good idea. They're going to lock him up because I think the importance of that position and finding somebody who can do all those things. Well, that nobody Volan, Bedard, none of these idiots have any appreciation for what Jacoby Myers brings to the offense every single week, week in, week out. And, uh, you know, I, I would really, I really would like to see Patriots fans as a whole appreciate this guy a little bit. And, you know, I would really like to see him get paid and extended and see him be a Patriot for life. Cause I think he eventually, if he keeps on the track he's on, will will more than likely be a red jacket guy when, when it's all said and done. So um, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of watching Jacoby Myers play football for the rest of this year and hopefully into the future. Yeah, Myers is is so key, and in the games he missed, he he was definitely he was definitely a a key factor in how that offense moved. And you saw it last week when he he had a few catches that you know that I wouldn't necessarily say they were different, but you can tell that you know the chemistry was there and he's just a guy that gets it and he gets the patriot you know i, I hate saying patriot way but he gets the the ways of being a patriot uh, you know and everything about it that it, it entails so yeah i agree with you rob i think they will lock him up and they should um dan well, how about you 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 uh you wrap it up for us 
Well, uh, Rob, I think you forgot about Brian Phillips saying we need to have a conversation about Jacoby Myers a year ago because apparently he wasn't a WR1. Yeah, the, the fucking like tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. WR1. He's a WR2. Okay. I'll fucking take it. Anyways, my. Give Cam uh, the bag, though. <laughs> give Cam the bag. Build around Cam. Build the team <laughs> around Cam, and you can play four square because he'll bounce the ball to all these people. But I will say my final thought goes to um, Robert Kraft. Uh, a little under the radar for two different reasons. So let's say that the first one first is less important, but he's 81 years old and he married a 47 year old, very attractive doctor. Good for you, man. Great. And very under the radar who attended his wedding and got back together. So all people in the Patriots plus Patriots greats, including Tom Brady, all there celebrating. So all that BS, the media feeds you doesn't exist these guys get along great behind closed doors they just made it up the other thing i'll say is the guy donated 50 million dollars to mass general hospital this week which went way under the radar because we were way more concerned about the ping pong tables down in miami and uh matt patricia and things like that so i'll say that is a true leader owner i'm not going to say i'm the biggest craft family fan because i know they dabble in all sorts of things they have relationships with people i do not like but at the same time how can you say that's bad donate 50 million to hospital um and uh hey you married someone 34 years (laughs) so cool um but i'll just say like i think our ownership in terms of new england patriots it goes under the radar how good it is that he's not uh, a terrible person it doesn't seem he's not racist he's not uh sexist it doesn't seem like it just seems like he's a good dude that is living the rest of his days i mean like he's 81 years old like what do you want the guy to do so i'll just say good for you you had a good week um next time we do this i'll go back to more sports related things than the owners but just want to give a shout out because i feel like he didn't get a do for don't if you donate 50 million dollars i think people should know that but it didn't seem like a lot of people cared so no man that's awesome I'm glad you brought that up because yeah i and you're right i would much rather him do things like that and rather than him be in the media and, and be like jerry jones and just talk about the bill belichick's or dan movies. snyder much, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'd much rather him be who he is than a Dan Snyder. Oh my God, like just there, there's not even he's not even the same stratosphere as or Dan the Browns. Snyder, so the Browns ownership, the Buffalo Bills yeah. ownership, I could go on and on. Terrible. Like the they're, Patriots they're ownership terrible. is really not that bad. So that's all I want. They're say. all terrible. <laughs> the the only the only thing I would say is just end end the relationship with Night Eight Five, the Sports Clan. Just end it because it's it's terrible. And, you know, you don't need to subject your fans to that type of mess. You know, there, there are what, there's like 70 stations in, in the Boston proper area in Providence. Just just find someone else to broadcast your, your to be the home of the Patriots, because I'm sure your fans will follow you wherever, whatever station it is. But, um, yeah, so that about it does it for Entitled Weekend. 
please email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com. Um, I know Vinny, you will. Um, you can follow Dan at Villains and Vibes. He changes his ats more than his underwear, so it might be a different one next week. <laughs> um, you can follow Rob at Hoodie is Supremus, and you can follow me at Atomic Dog 5150. And it's on the Browns. Until next time, turn off your radio slugs. <laughs>